0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. This week, opposition leader Peter Dutton stood to address Parliament on the bill that will allow a referendum on the voice to Parliament. What he said in that speech has alarmed many, and at least one spokesperson for The Voice said Dutton's words have been echoed in the abuse that he's received from racist opponents online. Today... Columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on what Dutton's rhetoric will do to the debate on The Voice. It's Friday, May 26th. Well, this week we saw another milestone as the government prepares for a referendum on The Voice legislation was introduced that would set up the referendum, which of course led to debate in Parliament about The Voice once again. So tell me about what we heard and and the tone of that conversation this week.
1: Yeah, well, Ruby, we're really getting to the business end of the referendum. The Constitution sets down uh, rules for what is needed for a referendum to be held. And the Leader of the House, Tony Burke, began the week by pointing out that for the referendum to get up, it will need an absolute majority in both Houses of Parliament. It also is required that any member of the House or the Senate who wants to speak can speak. And as a result, they've um, put all the other or most of the other business of the government and of the parliament to the Federation Chamber. And they've given over the main chamber, the big green one, to the debate and the discussion on the referendum.
2: a government business order of the day, number one, constitution alteration, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice 2023, presumption of debate on the second reading.
1: The question
0: is that this bill be now read a second time and I call the Leader of the Opposition.
2: Thank you very much, Deputy Speaker.
1: The key moment of the week though was when Opposition Leader Peter Dutton spoke. He led off, in fact, uh, the whole debate after some of the um, technicalities were got out of the way. And as uh, one of his uh, backbench members said to me, Peter went for broke. And I suppose when you think about it, if you're going to oppose the referendum, there's no uh, point in being merely mouthed about it.
2: Changing our constitution to enshrine a voice will take our country backwards, not forwards. The voice is regressive, not progressive. And it should be very clear to Australians by now that the Prime Minister is dividing our country, not uniting us.
1: Not only did Peter Dutton oppose the referendum, but the speech he put together was a speech that really did go to misinformation, to unfounded scares. Dutton said that the proposed voice to Parliament will re-racialise the nation. So you had to make up a new word to make this point.
2: The voice as proposed by the Prime Minister promotes difference. And it's sadly a symptom of the madness of identity politics which has infected the 21st century. The voice will re-racialise our nation. At a time when we need to unite the country, this Prime Minister's proposal will permanently divide us by race.
1: And what he's getting at there, he claims that the 1967 referendum um, took race out because it recognised Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia on the census and it paved the way for them to be allowed to vote. However... In 1967, what they call the race power wasn't eliminated, it was in fact extended, giving the federal parliament the powers to make special rules for Indigenous Australians, special laws for them, and that's still the case. Dutton said changing our constitution to enshrine a voice will take our country backwards, not forwards.
2: It's an overcorrection. The voice will embed new procedural rights in our constitution, rights which are conferred only on the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. It will have an Orwellian effect where all Australians are equal, but some Australians are more equal than others.
1: Now, this drew quite stringent criticism from a guy called Dennis Glover, a former speechwriter for the Federal Parliament. Glover, in the Sydney Morning Herald, pointed out the absurdity of this baseless scare. He wrote how a body like The Voice... That is designed to offer advice on social reform to our elected parliament will become a dictatorship, is beyond fanciful.
0: Right. So there's no doubt, Paul, that Peter Dutton's rhetoric is heating up. It's becoming more aggressive. And it does seem inevitable that these battle lines would harden. But tell me about how Dutton's comments are being received.
1: Well, Dutton's comments, uh, in many ways, shocked some people that he went the way he did go. Peter Dutton is looking for a big win over Anthony Albanese, and that's why he is uh, contexting his speech and his arguments in the way that he is. It's Dutton versus Albanese. There's a calculation here. Of course, it's probably easier to defeat a referendum than to win an election because to defeat a referendum, all the no-side needs is to get three states to vote no. Linda Burney, the Minister for Indigenous Australians, well, she immediately followed Peter Dutton on the floor of the House and she said... Uh, We have just heard in one speech every bit of disinformation and
3: misinformation and scare campaigns that exist in this
1: debate. Bernie cited a number of high-powered constitutional experts, former Chief Justice of the High Court and others, to debunk the claim that the voice was a reckless and dangerous threat to the way we are governed.
3: It makes our system of government stronger. It makes a practical difference on the ground. It improves people's lives. It is constitutionally sound and it sets the balance right. And the Solicitor-General's opinion makes it clear.
1: Bernie said the Solicitor-General believes the amendment to the Constitution will be, and she quoted, an enhancement to that system. And the Solicitor-General says it seeks to rectify a distortion in the existing system.
0: Right. And it's worth remembering, Paul, that we're still actually months away from a vote and we're likely to see this conversation intensify as we get closer and closer to that moment. And this language, it takes a toll. We've seen several Indigenous people this week talk about that, including people like voice campaigner Thomas Mayo.
1: That's right, Ruby. Thomas Mayo was a signatory to the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Uh, He's from the Northern Territory and um, his uh, heritage is Torres Strait Islander. And he says that Peter Dutton is licensing hate speech. He says that uh, he's never been abused online as much and he says it's definitely coincided with the coalition's official no stance. Uh, Mayo noted trolls are running the exact same line as Dutton did on Monday and quote, it's like Dutton's led a whole lot of racists off the leash to sow doubt and confusion amongst voters. You’d have to say that Peter Dutton is certainly playing with fire in his desperation to score a win over Anthony Albanese. He's, as it were, scratching that dark underbelly that does exist in the nation, exists in any nation of fear, prejudice, and racism. I think that the columnist uh, Nikki Sever put it pretty deftly a couple of weeks ago in the age when she wrote, “Not everyone who votes no is a racist. But all racists will vote no.
0: We'll be back after this. The Saturday Papers' food editors are some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Let them guide your cooking when you sign up to Schwartz Media's free weekly newsletter, The Food. It features the latest recipe from The Saturday Paper, along with a selection of seasonal dishes suitable for all cooks. Subscribe today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters.
2: With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit the Saturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes.
0: Paul, the way that Peter Dutton has been talking about the voice this week, how has that actually been going down within his party? Because we know that of course not everyone agrees with the position that Dutton has taken. So is he getting much pushback?
1: Well, there has been pushback. Uh, It has to be said off the top, of course, that Peter Dutton's party room, the overwhelming majority of it amongst the Conservative Liberals who dominate the Liberal Party room and, of course, the Nationals, well, they back Dutton to the hilt in opposing the referendum. But there are some standout exceptions. The um, Liberal member from Tasmania, Bridget Archer, well, a couple of hours after the Dutton speech, she got up in the Parliament and contradicted him.
3: I do think it's critical to address some of the concerns about the question in the referendum. No, the voice will not have veto power nor act as a third chamber. It will simply and reasonably give advice on laws made specifically for and about Indigenous Australia. To claim otherwise is a deliberate and harmful misrepresentation of the facts, and I'm disappointed to have seen this willfully perpetuated by some.
1: She says she will campaign hard for the yes vote in Tasmania and this is a very significant promise from her because Tasmania has the same weight as every other state and yet it's five times smaller than, for example, New South Wales. So if someone as high profile and as well respected as Archer promising to campaign hard for the yes vote in Tasmania could well thwart the no-cases ambitions.
3: I've also heard the argument that the voice is at best tokenistic. Well, to me, there's nothing more tokenistic than supporting the recognition of our First Nations people and falling short of providing a permanent platform to ensure their voices are heard now and for generations to come. If you support constitutional recognition, but you oppose the voice, what exactly do you hope to achieve? You can't have the symbolic without the practical. They are intrinsically linked.
1: But Ruby, you're right, there's no doubt that the Dutton position has caused enormous problems within the parliamentary party. The Senate leader, Simon Birmingham, a key moderate, well, in two interviews he's given this week on Insiders on Sunday and then on RN Breakfast, he's had to squirm around what his position would be. Do you agree with that? Will it re-racialise Australia?
2: I expect there'll be many things uh, said in the context of uh, the voice debate. Uh, I've written a longish piece in relation to my stance on this, which I've uh, I've said is somewhat nuanced and uh, I've indicated I don't intend to uh, either act contrary to the party decision on this, but nor do I intend to actively or aggressively campaign on it.
1: He uh, said that all sorts of people are making all sorts of comments and he's not going to respond to every comment and that's where Patricia Carvelis made a very strong point. He's
3: not just I'm going to politely push back a little bit here. You say not comment on the comments of people in this debate. He's the leader of the Liberal Party. He is the opposition leader it's not just some bit player. He's a really key person on your side of politics. He's your leader and he says it will re-racialise Australia. Do you agree with him?
2: Patricia and I have uh, outlined uh, the approach I'm taking to this referendum.
1: And, of course, this point goes to how important and what a setback in a real way for the yes vote it is when the alternative Prime Minister of the country takes this position to so resolutely argue and argue uh, in the way he has against the yes vote.
0: Yeah, I suppose what this really challenges, Paul, is... You know, the government and, and the Organised Yes campaign, they've hoped to have this uniting message and, and to really try and ignore a lot of this rhetoric. But with the opposition leader putting these arguments at the centre of the debate, how long can the government afford confrontation on
1: this? Well, that's a very good question. The government has been warned, uh, you know, from polling uh, done that it's important, it's vital to keep the whole voice debate above partisan politics. If it degenerates into nothing more as Dutton is trying to do of Liberal versus Labor and Labor versus Liberal, you know, politics as usual, then that will harm the chance of the referendum. Uh, Linda Burney herself said this whole issue should be above politics. But I have to say that the Greens don't seem to um, be quite as constrained as the Labor government in this. Uh, one of the strongest pushbacks in the parliament was a speech made by Greens leader, Adam Bant.
3: There are those in this parliament who want to deny justice to First Nations people. The leader of the opposition has taken this opportunity to divide instead of unite, to continue a long tradition of seeking to use race to win votes.
1: And he outlined a history of Peter Dutton's dealings with and arguments against racial minorities in Australia. He left no stone unturned uh, before he threw it, I'd have to say. Adam Bant equated Dutton's approach with that of One Nation leader, Pauline Hanson. But he said, and I think this is a strong point, he said it's coming from someone who wants to lead this country.
0: Mm. And, Paul, you know, the reason that we heard all of this in Parliament this week was because of this bill to enable a referendum to be held. And and that bill, the referendum bill, it will pass. It has enough support in, in the House and the Senate to do so. So... Once that happens, what are we likely to see? What's next?
1: (laughs) Yeah, what's next after what we saw this week? A very good point. Uh, In many ways, I shudder to think. Uh, By the way, there's no doubt the uh, legislation will pass because the Liberals and the Nationals, they've decided they won't move any amendments against it and they will waive it through. So the constitutional requirement of an absolute majority in both houses will fly through. What we've seen already, there'll be strong campaigning from both sides. Noel Pearson, of course, one of the authors of the Uluru Statement from the Heart, says once we've got this technical debate out of the way, once we see um, locked in the words of the referendum, then it's down to business. Then it's down to arguing whether you want yes or no. In my view, Ruby, this referendum is more than just about whether we give due recognition with some weight to the special position of First Nations people in our country, in the history of this continent. That's very important. It'll be a moment of reconciliation. It'll be a moment where we can all walk together to a better future, as the Uluru Statement urges. But it's also asking us what sort of Leadership. What sort of national leadership do we want? Do we want the sort of national leadership that appeals to our better nature, to our better angels, or one that appeals to our fears and our prejudices?
0: Paul, thanks for your time.
1: Thank you, Ruby. Bye.
0: As a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at the slash newsletters. Also in the news today, the family of Claire Noland, the 95-year-old woman who died after being tasered by a police officer, have released a statement following her death this week. The family told the local newspaper that, quote, Our beloved Claire passed away while surrounded by the love and support of her family, describing her as a beautiful mother and great-grandmother. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was unable to announce his campaign for president as planned yesterday, thanks to a Twitter glitch. Billionaire Elon Musk invited the Republican to announce his candidacy exclusively on the audio chatroom function of Twitter, Twitter Spaces, but the event was stuck on the status, preparing to launch for 25 minutes. DeSantis, who will take on Donald Trump for the Republican nomination, has supported legislation that makes it easier for books to be banned from schools in his state. 7 a.m. is a daily show from the monthly and the Saturday paper. It's produced by Cara Jensen, McKinnon, Zoltan Fecho, and Shane Anderson. Our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Our editor is Scott Mitchell. Sarah McVie is our head of audio. Eric Jensen is our editor in chief. Mixing by Andy Elston, Travis Evans and Atticus Basto. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.